Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you. When I was a boy, probably about 15 years old, I, uh, one of my first jobs, I worked at uh, the Louisiana Experimental Station. Now, this was a, a farming enterprise subsidized by the government for the purpose of discovering uh, new lines of produce. And so basically, I did farm work that entire summer. One of my first jobs, uh, I did farm work. For instance, one whole month there in that summer, I picked peas from morning till evening. All day long, I was a pea picker, y'all. I'm telling you, that was some hard work. Um, The next month, they put me in the watermelon fields and I I harvested watermelons. Now, at the time, I loved watermelon. I mean, it was like one of my favorite summer treats from the garden, you know. And so hauling those watermelons, us boys out there, every once in a while, we would accidentally drop one. And it would burst open and we'd reach down and take the heart of that thing out of there and enjoy it. And then we'd go on working and a few hours later, we'd accidentally drop another one and enjoy some more. And we would do that every day, all day, until after a week or so, I'm telling you right now, I couldn't stand watermelon. It made me sick, literally, I got sick on it one day. And then for years after that, even the smell of watermelon, let alone the taste, man, would just make my stomach turn. I didn't want anything to do with watermelon after that. Now, I finally got over it. I enjoy it today. But for years, I I didn't care for it. I was in that harvest field and I began to take what I had for granted and it wasn't as special for me as it once was. Why am I telling you that story? Because we're in this series of messages that I'm actually wrapping up today. It was an abbreviated message series. I just started it last week. We're gonna wrap it up today. We're talking about seed time and harvest. And last week we pointed to some things that all of us need to be aware of, and that is we're always sowing seed. Everything we do, the actions we take, how we treat one another, the things that we say, all of those are seed. And the Bible says there's a harvest coming on the seed you sow. Whatever form of seed you're sowing, you're gonna reap some form of harvest. And of course, I I called your attention to that last week and hopefully all week long. You've been more mindful about what seed you've sown this week because again, there's a harvest coming. Good or bad, there's a harvest coming on whatever seed you sow today. So again, hopefully you've been you know, paying more attention to that, more conscientious of that. I think we all need to be really, really aware. Whatever it is that you're doing and saying, uh, these are seeds that are being sown. There is a harvest that will come. But today I wanna talk to you about a different type of harvest. Now, everything I just described, we find many, many passages in the Bible that addresses the whole issue of seed time and harvest. The fact that what you sow is what you're going to reap. But then there's another form of harvest that the Bible describes in great detail that we would all do well to really, really pay heed to and really take some time to consider. So I wanna lay that out with you here today as I talk to you about really God's harvest. I wanna talk to you about the Lord's own harvest. 
And what I discover as I study the Bible is that God's harvest actually comes in two phases. The one phase, the first phase of the harvest of God is happening right now. It is ongoing. It is perpetual all around us every day. Harvest is happening. This first phase of the harvest of God is going on right here, right now. Then there is another phase of the harvest of God that will happen at the end of time. And the Bible has much to say about, again, God's harvest in the end time. And what I believe, and I believe with all my heart, is that the more you understand these two phases of the harvest of the Lord, I believe this phase, this end time phase of the harvest should motivate how we engage with this current harvest that we're in. It should make us more mindful. It should make us more intentional. It should make us much more purposeful about this hour of harvest, knowing that that hour of harvest is coming. I'll describe that in detail a little bit later in the service. But first, let's deal with this first form of harvest. And I'll call your attention to John's gospel, chapter four and verse 35. Hey, you guys don't mind if we study the Bible for a few minutes, do you? Anybody care about that? That's good. That's good. I'm glad. Even if you didn't want me to, we're going to do it anyway. All right, here we go. John chapter four, verse 35. These are the words of Jesus. Here's what he said. He says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, Jesus said, but I say, wake up. Everybody say, wake up. He says, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Guys, that's Jesus' message for us today. Just as relevant as it was the day it was given 2,000 years ago, Jesus wants to say to you and me right now, wake up. We need to wake up and recognize we're in a season of harvest, that there is harvest happening all around us. He said that the fields are ripe unto harvest. And we would do so well to receive that instruction from our Savior, our Lord and Master Jesus today. He would say to us, wake up and look around. Look at me. We've got to get our head out of the sand. And we've got to begin to be real about the times that we're in. And understand, this is a moment of great harvest and we have responsibility in that moment of harvest that we occupy. God has expectations for us within this first phase of harvest, this, this phase that, that Jesus describes when he says, look around you. The fields are already ripe. They're ripe for harvest. There's a harvest ready to come in. So here's what I wanna say to you. I wanna say to you that the most significant harvest is a harvest of souls. The most significant harvest is a harvest of souls. What do you mean by that, Jeff? I mean, the greatest harvest, the most significant harvest today is seeing men, women, boys, and girls come into the kingdom of God. 
It's seeing people get right with God. It's seeing people surrender their heart and life to Jesus to make him savior and Lord of their lives that they might come out of the darkness of their sin into the light of his love and grace, forgiveness and redemption. This is the greatest harvest. It's the way the Bible describes people coming to Christ, people coming to faith in Christ. The Bible describes it as a harvest. We're in that moment, we're in that harvest moment and the most significant harvest is the harvest of souls. It's not that other forms of harvest aren't important. They are. Every form of harvest is important. That's why last week we took the time to really try to get you to lean into that concept and understand and realize you're sowing seed all the time. All time is seed time. And whatever you're doing, whatever you're saying, however you're treating people, all of that, it seeds you so that you're going to have a harvest that comes back to you uh, on. So, so for instance, if you sow kindness, you reap friendships. Has that been true in your life? At the same time, if you sow lies, you're gonna reap distrust within those friendships and the friendship can't go on. Those forms of harvests are extremely important and we should be very intentional and purposeful about them but there's no form of harvest more significant than people coming to know God, people coming into the kingdom, people accepting Jesus and making him Lord of their life. Again, laying that old life of sin behind and just becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. It's the most significant harvest there is, the harvest of souls, the harvest of salvation. And here's what I wanna suggest to you with that in mind. We can actually be an answer to the only prayer request that Jesus ever made. You ever make prayer requests? I do it all the time. Man, when I'm facing something that I don't understand, I don't know how I'm gonna get through, I don't have answers for. Man, I call on people that I know love me and care about me. Uh, People that I know know how to pray. They know how to get a hold of the heart of God. And man, I'll reach out to them and I'll make prayer requests. Would you pray about this or that or the other? My, uh, my cousin Lance and his wife Tina and their friend Janelle are here today. Lance and Tina pastor a great church up in the West Monroe area. And uh, they're here today visiting with us. Would y'all help me welcome my cousin? <laughs> man, I love you guys. A few weeks ago, Lance called me with a prayer request. He let me know his, his daughter, Summer, was gonna have a child and, and they had, had found some, some issues that they were concerned about, the doctors were concerned about. They were concerned that uh, this, this child, this little boy, uh, that they're gonna name Everett after Lance's dad, my uncle Everett, loved him and just loved him so much. Have so many fond memories of your dad and your mom. But they, um, they said that the, the, one of the valves in the baby's heart had not formed and uh, they were really, really concerned. But as time went on, people began to pray. Don't you know, they, they, they took another look and, and the valve was there. And, uh, but hang on, hang on. But they were concerned because they thought, well, maybe the valve will not be big enough and they might have to go in immediately do surgery uh, to expand that valve so that the little baby can, can do well. And so that's where we are now. The baby was born Wednesday, he's doing well. He needs to gain some weight. They're looking at possibly doing that procedure on this valve. But Lance called me with that prayer request and we began to pray. And I'd love for all of you to join me in prayer this week that everything will go well with little baby Everett. Can y'all, how many will pray? Say, I will. Come on, say, I will. 
Lance, you heard them. They're going to be praying. But we have these prayer requests that we share with one another. Did you know Jesus had a prayer request? There's only one that we find in scripture and it's found in Matthew's gospel, chapter nine. Let me, let me take you there real quick. Matthew chapter nine, verse 36 through verse 38. The Bible says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Does that sound familiar? If we'll wake up and look around us, we'll see we've got the same crowd around us, don't we? confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In verse 37, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Jesus' prayer request is that there would be plenty of people out there in the harvest Leading people to Christ, leading people into the saving knowledge of Jesus, leading people out of the darkness of their sin, into the light of God's redemption, God's righteousness he's provided for us in Christ. Jesus said, I want you to pray that the Lord of the harvest will make sure there's plenty of workers because we don't have a harvest issue, we have a worker issue. We just need more people engaged. We, have, we need more people active in gathering that harvest. Remember, the harvest is just leading people to Jesus. And Jesus said, pray that God will send those workers out into that harvest. And so it's so important that we acknowledge our role in all of that. Listen to Proverbs chapter 10. You said you didn't mind if we studied the Bible. Proverbs chapter 10 verse five says this. It says a sensible person. Y'all got good sense? He says a sensible person gathers the crops when they're ready. Watch this. It is a disgrace to sleep through the time of harvest. Do you remember what, he, what Jesus said in John 5, 30, 35? John 4, 35 rather. He said, wake up. Why? It's a disgrace to sleep during a time of harvest. I'm afraid many of us are asleep. I'm afraid that many of us are in a state of slumber and our enemy who doesn't want God's harvest to happen he doesn't want people getting saved. He doesn't want people coming out of their sin. He doesn't want people knowing Christ. He has lulled us to sleep with ideas like, well, harvest is Jeff's job. Harvest is Lance's job. Harvest is the youth pastor's job or the children's pastor's job or the evangelist on TV. It's their job. No, 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 no. In fact, if you study scripture, what you, what you discover is, yes, we have a role in that as well. But on top of that, our role is to actually prepare you to bring in the harvest. Because every one of us have a role in gathering in this harvest of souls, the greatest harvest the most significant harvest there is, is seeing people come to faith in Christ and every one of us have a role in that. And that's why Jesus would say to every one of us today, all of you joining us online, you call yourself a follower of Jesus, wake up, look around you, see the potential harvest there and begin to bring people to Christ, begin to introduce people to Jesus, begin to lead people into the saving knowledge of Jesus. Let's talk about how we do it. Can we do that for just a few minutes? Let's talk about how to participate in the harvest. How do we, how do I participate 
in the harvest. Number one, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to acknowledge that the harvest is the main reason we're here. Have you ever wondered, why am I here? What's my purpose? Why did God give me life? Why did God bring me into relationship with himself? Have you ever wondered why you're here? Here, Here's what I believe. If we're gonna participate in the harvest, we've gotta acknowledge the harvest is the main reason we are here. The, The reason I say that is because if you've placed your faith in Christ and you've been born again, if you belong to the family of God and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't belong to this world anymore. I didn't say that, Jesus said it. I mean, let me show you in John's gospel, chapter 17, verse 16, and I'll also read verse 18. Jesus is praying for disciples like me and you. Here's what he says to the Father. He says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Did you hear what God said about you? He said, you don't belong to this world any more than he does. He says, just as you sent me, verse 18, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. If we're gonna participate in the harvest, we've gotta acknowledge that the harvest is the main reason we're here. There's a reason why we're still in this world. Even after we place our faith in Jesus and he became our savior and we became a part of his family and we belong to his kingdom. He's left us here even though we don't belong here. What if he just took you? As soon as you put your faith in Jesus, the minute you were born again, what if you just pop, just left this world and showed up in the world that we're all gonna occupy one day, that place where God is, that heavenly home he's preparing for us all? Can you imagine? What would it be like? I promise you, the end of service at Crossroads Church every Sunday morning would be very different. Because I would say, every head up and every eye open, you're not gonna wanna miss this. And people would respond to the gospel, receive Christ into their heart, and then pop, 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 pop all over the crowd. People would vanish. We'd get even more people saved then, wouldn't we? I promise you. No, but that doesn't happen. Why? Because he's left us here for a reason. What is that reason? Primarily, that reason is to gather the harvest, is to be light in the darkness, is to share our faith with others and help others come into the saving knowledge of Jesus like we have so that their sins can be forgiven and they can have the promise of eternity and they can be made right with God. That's why we're here. It's the main reason we're here. Listen, I know that while we're here, we work jobs to try to provide for our families. We raise our children. We have friends that we enjoy, hobbies we enjoy. All that's good. God doesn't have a problem with any of that but it's not your primary purpose in being here. Your primary purpose in being here is to influence the lost, to see people who don't know God come to know God. So listen, if you're working your job, you're making a living, wonderful. Raising your family, I applaud you. Enjoying your friends, your hobbies, good, 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 good. But even more importantly, Let's let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Let's, let's introduce people into the saving knowledge of Jesus. Let's tell people what God's done in our life. Let's share the good news with them. It's the primary reason we're here. It's the main reason we're here. Secondly, how do we participate in the harvest? Number two, we sow the word of God in people's hearts. We sow the word of God. Remember the title of our message series is Seed Time and Harvest. There's no harvest without seed time. And as it relates to God's harvest in this phase, 
this phase of gathering people to himself, uh, bringing people into the family of God, bringing them into the saving knowledge of Jesus. As it relates to this phase of harvest, the seed that must be sown for that harvest to take place is the word of God. God's word is the seed you and I sow into other people's lives that they might become a part of this harvest. I'm gonna show you that. Again, I'm gonna show you that in the Bible. Luke chapter eight now. Luke chapter eight, I'll start in verse 11. I also wanna read verse 15. The seed, Jesus is giving here the parable of the sower and he's comparing people getting saved to how a farmer does his work. And, and then he begins to explain the parable and he says this in verse 11, the seed is God's word. The seed is the word of God that we sow. And he goes on in verse 15 to say, those seeds that fell on good ground are the people who listen to the message and keep it in good and honest hearts. They last and produce a harvest. That harvest is them coming into the kingdom. But notice the harvest is a result of the seed and the seed is the word of God. We need to be sharing God's word with people. We gotta, we gotta, We've got to dig into our Bibles. Listen, if the only time you open your Bible is when you're sitting with me here on a Sunday morning, you're missing it, man. You're missing it. You need to be in your word all week long. You need to open up the Bible. You need to learn what God's word teaches so you can share that with others. It's a seed you're going to sow in their life that can result in a harvest of them experiencing God like you have, but you gotta sow the seed and that seed is the word of God. Now, some of you are gonna justify a lack of doing this by saying, well, I don't know that much about the Bible. I, I, you know, uh, this is relatively new to me and I don't know a whole lot. I'm afraid they're gonna have questions I can't answer. Can I tell you? that after 40 years of serving Jesus, after 35 years of ministry, after Bible college, after all of that, there's, there's questions I don't have answers for. But you know what I determined a long time ago? I decided I'm not gonna let what I don't know keep me from doing what I do know. Amen. I'll give you an example. Let me just give you a real practical example. I don't know how cars work. I have no idea. I am not mechanically inclined. You don't want me working on your car. But that does, my lack of knowledge about how a car works doesn't keep me from enjoying a car. I get in my car every day. I go places. Come on. When my children got to be at an age where they needed to learn to drive themselves, I didn't let a lack of what I know about a car keep me from sharing with them what I did know about a car. I taught them to drive. They drive all over the place too. Right after I taught them to drive, they would go make ice cream runs for me. Some of you parents, man, you got teenagers and you're dreading when they turn 15, 16, time to get a license. Listen, it's the greatest thing in the world. You can send them after the bluebell. Come on, y'all. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. You see what I'm saying, don't you? Don't let what you don't know keep you from sharing what you do know. Share what you know about God. Share what God's done in your own life. We need to share what we know and we need to learn more. We need to continue to apply ourselves by getting into the Bible every day, getting into some small groups, some, some good circles where you can learn more and more and more so that you can share more and more and more. The word of God is the seed we sow into people's life that can result in them becoming a part of this first phase of the harvest of God. Let me give you one more thing. Here's what I, I wanna encourage you. If you're gonna participate in harvest, you gotta acknowledge that the harvest is the main reason we're here. Number two, you gotta sow the word of God in people's hearts. And then thirdly, you've gotta sow yourself as well. 
So often all we wanna do is just tell people what we believe, you know, share our knowledge of scripture with them, but we're never there to give them a helping hand. We're never there to befriend them in any way. And I'm here today to tell you that when you befriend someone and you show them kindness and you show them compassion, you be there when they need you, you're cultivating the soil that you're gonna sow that seed in. And I I just wanna see us as a church like never before begin to really show friendship, godly friendship to people who don't know Christ so we can have the opportunity to sow the seed of the word in their life and see it take root, see it make the difference, see it transform their life just like it transformed ours. I love what Paul wrote in his first letter to the church there in Thessalonica. He writes in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse eight, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. And, 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 and listen, I believe God, the Lord of the harvest, is calling on every one of us today to acknowledge, hey, this is the reason I'm here. And so I'm gonna sow friendship, compassion, kindness, all of that into people's lives. And then as that cultivates their heart to an openness to the gospel, I'm gonna plant the seed of God's word in their life and I'm gonna get people saved. I'm gonna get people right with God. I'm gonna gonna bring people out of that darkness they've known into everything that God has for them by the grace of the Lord. Y'all with me? Say I am. Now, let me me wrap this up. I, I mentioned from the get-go, there's two phases to God's harvest. We're in a phase now of gathering. We're in a, a phase of salvation. But here's what you need to know. Here's what you don't hear preached about much anymore, but it's the reality of God's word. And it's one of the most important realities for us to embrace. It will sober us. And that is this. It's so important we recognize today that today the harvest is salvation but the future harvest is judgment. When God talks about judgment, and hey, he talks about it frequently, Old Testament, New Testament alike. When he talks about judgment, he talks about it as a form of harvest. We're not in that phase of harvest right now. We're in a phase of salvation, but there's a day coming when everyone's going to stand before God and be judged. Do we understand that? That's why I said this phasement of the harvest of God should have a drastic impact on this phase of the harvest of God. When we know that our friend, our coworker, our neighbor, our our family member, when we know they're gonna stand before God in judgment one day, it's gonna posture us to do everything we can now to see to it that they're included in this harvest. And when they stand before God in judgment, they're ready. Come on, y'all. That's why this phase of the judgment or this phase of the harvest of God should have such an impact on this phase that we're currently in. Now, let me share a couple of scriptures with you. Revelation chapter 14, John is writing here by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's sharing what he's seen in a vision that was given to him by God. Here's what he said. He said, another angel came from the temple there in heaven and shouted to the other angel sitting on the cloud and said, swing the sickle for the time of harvest has come The crop on earth is right. The sickle is that instrument farmers would use in ancient times to cut the wheat and gather the wheat. And here, it is a form of judgment that's being described. 
God is calling the, the last of days where God brings judgment. He, he's referring to it as a, a form of harvest. And as he harvests, watch, as he harvests, he separates the wheat from the chaff. He separates the wheat from the tares. He separates the wheat from the weeds, if you will. Let's go to Matthew's gospel, chapter 30, verse, I'm sorry, verse, uh, chapter 13 and verse 30. Matthew 13, 30, Jesus is speaking about harvest. He says, let both grow together until harvest. And then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, to tie them in bundles and burn them and to put them, and then to put the wheat in the barn. He says, put the wheat in the barn. I don't know about you, but I thank God for that barn. <laughs> I'm so thankful there's a barn, y'all. I'm so thankful there's a home for me, waiting for me. Because I've responded to the gospel, received Jesus, Lord and Savior of my life. There's a, there's a barn, there's a home. Come on, there's a place where I'm gonna abide forever with my God. But just like there's a home that the wheat will be stored in, there's also a fire that the tares are gonna be turned over to. We don't preach about this anymore, but it's the, rea it's the reality of the word of God. And when you understand that that could be your friend, that could be your neighbor, that could be your coworker, that could be your family member, all of a sudden, this phase of harvest takes on new significance and you realize I gotta reach them while there's time because I don't want them to stand before God in judgment, unprepared, unready, I'll share a story with you. I've shared it before in years gone by, but it's so apropos for today's teaching. I'll share it with you. It's the story of a little boy. Back in the days that people traveled in wagons with horses, this little boy's family had driven the team of horses into town. He was out in the wagon while his parents were in the store picking up some supplies. When all of a sudden something spooked those horses and they took off running through the middle of town, his life was in danger. A young attorney in that town saw what had happened and he stepped out of his office and even at great risk to himself, he got in the middle of the road with that oncoming team of horses coming at him at breakneck speed. He reached out and he grabbed the harness and he pulled them to a stop, saving that little boy's life probably. Well, the story goes that that little boy grew up to begin to live a life of crime and, and finally was brought to trial for manslaughter. And he knew he was facing the death sentence. When he walked into the courtroom and he looked up behind the judge's bench, his heart was filled with hope because he recognized that old judge. He looked different from what he looked years ago before, but it was that same young attorney that had saved his life so long ago. The trial took place, he was found guilty, and the judge sentenced him to hanging. And he began to weep and he began to plead with the judge. He said, don't you recognize me? Don't you recognize me, judge? I'm that little boy you saved in this very town so long ago. And the judge looked at him and here's what he said. He said, on that day, I was your savior. Today, I'm your judge. And you need to know today that this savior this Lord of the harvest that wants to bring you into fellowship with God, that wants to forgive you and make you right with God. This savior of this phase of the harvest will preside 
over that final phase of the harvest. And he will be the judge that we answer to one day. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Jeff Abels and I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been dealing with your heart as you've listened to this message and you feel like you just need to get right with God. If you have no real assurance that you are right with God, if you cannot honestly say you've been living for God and you know that needs to change, I wanna invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now. You know, the Bible tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means God loves you and God's ready to save you. He's just waiting on you to call on Him. Why don't you call on Him right now by praying a very simple prayer with me. I want you to repeat the words of this prayer after me. Let those words come right from your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from God. And I don't want that. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again. Through faith in Jesus, I believe my life can change. So I ask you, Jesus, Come into my heart, forgive all my sin, and change my life. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I don't live for me anymore or this world. God, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. And I thank you right now, even as I pray, according to your promise, My sin is all forgiven. I'm now right with God. I am saved. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer with me, we would really love to know about it. We'd love to give you some next steps to get you started on your brand new journey of faith. What I'd love for you to do is just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. And someone will connect with you to provide you with some resources that I think will help you greatly. Again, just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today and God richly bless you is our prayer for you.